0: Hello, and welcome back to The Usual Spot, your favorite spot for all the current events and trends in the gaming world. I'm Zach, and we're going to talk about Pokemon today. Now, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl just came out a couple weeks ago, and they were already kind of met with controversy even when they were first announced in late 2020. This is due for a lot of reasons, like the art style, for instance, opted for a more chibi style compared to other remakes and mainline games. And the Pokemon fanbase in general just kind of had a bad taste in their mouths because of the last games, Sword and Shield, which were very divisive, to say the least. And the expectations were already kind of low as a result of this. To top things off as well, they also announced another game that is much bigger, much broader in scope called Pokemon Legends Arceus at the exact same time as the Gen 4 remakes that we're going to talk about today. Which left a lot of people to think that these remakes of the original Pokemon Diamond and Pearl are just afterthoughts made to appease fans who were asking for remakes of these games rather than actual passionate projects from the developers themselves. And this shows in the fact that they outsourced the development of these games to another studio. Uh, The studio that they outsource these games to is called Ilka, which is a support studio, meaning they primarily help other larger studios with smaller projects for bigger games. Some of the notable things they've made are Yakuza 0, Dragon Quest XI, and Nier Automata, just to name a few. But in general, they're not really the kinds of developers that will helm their own games. However, they do have a history with the Pokemon franchise, as they have made Pokemon Home, which is a cloud-based storage app that you can use to transfer your Pokemon digitally between the new games, they single-handedly developed that application. So their history with Nintendo and their history with Pokemon as a whole is, you know, it's not none. They, they have some experience here. The difference is this is their first time making an actual Pokemon game entirely on their own with the direction of Nintendo and without really any involvement from Game Freak. So, they're finally out, and initial criticisms aside, I've been enjoying myself with the games. I have not quite finished them yet, but I've played enough to think that I have, you know, enough of a baseline to know what I'm talking about with this review. I'd really like to kind of go in about what I feel about it so far. Now, obviously, the main thing that people were worried about based on the reveal trailer were the graphics. Mostly, they picked kind of a cuter, chibi art style that's very different from the other series. They're not exactly the most groundbreaking visually, but let's be honest, the Pokemon games never really have been. Even Sword and Shield had a lot of graphical issues, to say the least. I won't get into that, but uh, overall, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are very pretty. Now, they're not gonna break any records in terms of, like, you know, graphical fidelity on the Switch. It's not even the prettiest Switch game I've played. I think that would still go to Breath of the Wild, but the, compared to most AAA games out right now, it's not the most detailed, but it meshes, the chibi art style of the characters mesh with the environment really well. It's very colorful, it's very bright, cartoonish, and It just blends together greatly. It looks like a Pokemon game. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, like, you know what you're getting. It's very bright, very colorful. The Sinnoh region really shines. I don't think it's bad. I think it works. The visual style they went with is perfect, in my opinion. The trainer and the Pokemon models are decently well-detailed in battle, meaning you don't always look like a little chibi baby. You, You know, when you actually go into battle, you do have an actual fully rendered, like, full height model that looks pretty solid I mean it still looks more like a 3ds game really but it's very polished compared to that uh it's not nearly as pixely it's you know it's it's very much and uh in battle the battle arenas that you enter when you wild pokemon encounters or uh you you know you fight another trainer they are very very good they look solid that's probably the most visually appealing aspect of the whole game when you enter battle, everything is super colorful, super bright. The water details, especially in certain regions, is incredible. Like, better than you would expect from a game like this. I'll just say that. Uh, that leads me to talk about the gameplay. Battling itself, you know, it's a Pokemon game. You know what you're getting into. It's really basic turn based combat. If you know type advantages, you can pretty much get off on that alone. And you'll be fine for the most part. Now Sinnoh is one of the more challenging regions in the Pokemon games in general and that is still the case here, but I'll get to that later. If you've played Gen 4 Pokemon before, if you've played Diamond, Pearl, or Platinum in the, the original releases on the DS, you kind of know what you're getting into. Nothing about the game works any particularly different way. It's fun. In some cases it's almost identical. But it does add some new quality of life features for instance you can move pokemon to a pc box on the fly rather than having to go all the way back to a pokemon center you can run without having to hold the b button you just use the left stick you press it lightly and you walk you press you hold it down and you run it's it's really intuitive considering Uh, You can also register multiple items for quick use, so rather than just having one, you don't have to pick between the fishing rod or the bike or the underground kit, you can register all of them and you just press a different direction on the d-pad and you can use four at once. Uh, You also get multiples of every TM, so you don't have to just teach one, well not every TM, I I should go back to that. There are some that you still only get one of. If you find one in the overworld that's just lying on the ground as an item, you still only get the one. But if you get them from a gym battle, like they always hand out TMs after gym battles, you'll get three of them, I believe, every time. So you don't have to just teach it one time. That also means that if you teach it to a Pokemon and then you decide you don't want to use that Pokemon anymore, but you still like that move, you can still use it on the next one if you decide to swap it out. So that's nice. They also... This is a big one. This is my personal favorite new features. They removed HMs from the game. You know what HMs are. If you've played Pokemon before, they're hidden moves, which are moves you use on the overworld during navigations, things like Rock Smash or Surf or Fly, where you have to teach it to one of your Pokemon, and you use it in... Not, not in battle you use it on the overworld and it will help you navigate the world like you can smash a rock That's in your way on a path somewhere or you can surf across the water to get across a lake or a river that was previously inaccessible they finally did something with that that I think works better because you no longer have to waste a slot on your move list for one of your Pokemon. That was the worst thing, in my opinion, about the series that always bothered me is that you always had to waste either a slot on your team to have what I refer to as an HM slave, meaning you have a Pokemon solely dedicated to learning HMs, which means you now only really have five Pokemon on your team instead of six at any given time, unless you specifically go out of your way to go to a Pokemon Center and swap it out with a different one, which makes grinding and training a hassle. You don't have to do that anymore. Those features still exist. The navigational feature still exists. You still have to smash rocks and surf, but you do it in a way that summons wild Pokemon to do it for you. For instance, if you're standing in front of a rock and you use Rock Smash, a bunch of wild Bidoof will come trample the boulder for you instead of your Pokemon doing it for you. So you no longer have to waste slots on your move list for HMs. That is incredibly nice because let's be honest, most of the HMs, except maybe surf, are kinda useless in battle, (laughs) like they really don't do anything. So you're gonna end up either using, you know, wasting a team slot or just having a, a move you're never gonna use. So it's really nice. The one thing that they added that's not really a new feature, it's been around since I think X and Y at least, but the EXP share, the experience share is automatic. Meaning it shares XP with your whole team, no matter what. So even Pokemon who aren't in battle will earn XP, For the ones who are, they don't earn as much XP, so switch training is still a viable method, but it does make the game a lot easier. And to some, that's a good thing. I mean, I get it. Not everybody loves grinding, and this is a game catered mostly towards a younger audience, anyway. So, I'm mostly complaining as an older fan who prefers the more challenging method, where you you know have to put in the effort to switch your Pokemon and grind them up. It just feels more rewarding from a training standpoint to do it that way, in my opinion. And I. Wouldn't normally have an issue with this feature because it's fine. It's a fine accessibility feature for people who want it, except that it can't be turned off. No matter what, there is not a setting in the game, at least right now, unless they add one in the future, but I doubt it, that you can turn off the, the experience share. You just can't. It's automatically on from the get-go, and you can't turn it off. So that's one thing I'm a little annoyed with. It feels really cheap that uh, your Pokemon who aren't even in battle can earn XP without even really doing anything. Granted, most JRPGs do this as well, but most JRPGs also have a much more in-depth level of progression to where in Pokemon you can pretty much just get them to max level and you'll be set. You don't really need to worry about equipping the best items or having the best abilities necessarily to get through the story. You can pretty much brute force your way through most of the battles if you just grind hard enough, and this mitigates that quite a bit and makes it even easier to do. That being said, They do add a bunch of new moves to kind of make the battles more interesting to top things off. So there's a few, there's one that's called Leafage, I think that you're, if you, I picked Turtwig when I started out and he had a move called Leafage and right away I was like, what is that? That's, that's not a real Pokemon move. They made that up. That's like some new shit, but it's there and it essentially, it's just, it's just a replacement for like your typical starter grass move, which, uh, it's a really weak move. You're going to get rid of it almost immediately. I replaced it with Razor Leaf as soon as that came in. But, you know, whatever. It doesn't really do anything. It's mostly just aesthetic changes. They don't add much to the game, but it's a little more variety, I guess, if you like seeing new move names on your screen. And uh, battling in general is more or less the same. I mean, like I said before, you get what you get when you're playing Pokemon. It's uh, In some cases, it's a little easier than the original game, than the original uh, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, because you just have you know, you have the experience share, you have different, you know, reworked stats and new type advantages. Like, they introduced the fairy type, obviously, into the region now, because that was introduced in uh, Gen 6 with X and Y. But, um, in general, I mean, you know, most of the gimmicks that made things like Sword and Shield or Sun and Moon, in my opinion, a lot easier is not there anymore. So, like, stuff like Dynamaxing or Mega Evolutions, which... In my opinion, Mega Evolutions were actually cool. They just weren't implemented into the game very well, and they removed them before they even had the chance to really experiment with them. But regardless, those aren't there. You just have a normal Pokemon team, you do what you do with it, and you call it a day. You know, it's 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 fairly uh it's fairly fairly average for Pokemon. I'll just leave it at that. Now, there's one thing, however, that is a huge new feature. Well, it's not really a new feature but rather an expansion of an old one that i think is great and it's probably the best part of the game is the underground area i'm sure if you played the original Sinnoh games you know what i'm talking about when i mention the underground area you have you can dig underground and go into these like ca- caverns basically these caves where you can mine for like minerals you can get these little spheres and you can trade them in for goods and items and stuff and then you can uh, find, sometimes you find evolution stones down there, like Dawn Stones or Sun Stones that you can use to evolve certain Pokemon. And that's helpful because normally those are hard to come by or very expensive to buy. And you can find them for pretty much free down in the underground area. But where Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl really uh, shines <laughs> with this feature is that they made it practically its own game. Like the underground area is honestly so big, it's almost overwhelming how much there is to explore. You can mine for precious gems, trade them for items, you you know, you have a limited number of hits to reveal where the stones are on the wall using a hammer and a little chisel, and you have to hit them before the wall collapses. It's, you know, like I said, it's what you get from the originals as well, just a lot more expanded. You can also explore passages, you can run through hallways, you can find Diglet collectibles, which I'm not still sure what those even do, but I'll figure it out at some point. There's these little diglets that pop up and if you run past them, they sparkle pink and like, I don't know what they do. I've heard that maybe they increase shiny rates or something. And that leads me into the next thing. There are wild Pokemon in the underground area that you can find in certain themed caverns. Like there's like volcanic caverns or little water ones or like, you know, little grassy knolls you can find underground that have wild Pokemon in them that you can battle and catch. Uh, Some of them can't be found in the main overworld. I found a Skorupi down there, and I'm pretty sure that's the only place you can find Skorupi in the whole game. Some of them, like Onyx or Geodude, you can find in the overworld fairly easily. However, Onyx is admittedly more common in the underground area. The only other place I can find it, I think, is in the Orberg City Mine. So, and the the, uh, the spawn rate for them is a lot lower there. So you'll have a better time finding an Onyx down there, but like, there are exclusive Pokemon as well. That you can find down there and generally from what i can tell they tend to have better stats and abilities too so it's definitely worth going down there if you're looking for a new addition to your team uh that being said as good as the underground area is brilliant diamond shining pearl does still suffer from a lot of the same pitfalls that plague the original diamond pearl and platinum for instance there are almost no fire types if you don't pick chimchar at the beginning of the game you're gonna have a hard time Finding another fire type that's viable. I mean, they have the Magby line in Brilliant Diamond, I believe, but I'm playing Shining Pearl, so that's not really an option for me unless somebody trades it to me. Uh, you can also you can also find Ponyta and Rapidash, which is kind of one of you know that's that's the fire type I always end up using when I play Gen Four because it's like one of the only ones that's available. So in general, there's like maybe five fire types I think available in the whole game, and one of them is a version exclusive. So. It just, it makes balancing your team a little more challenging. Granted, there aren't a ton of trainers that really require you to have a fire type. You can get by using a flying type for most grass uh, Pokemon, which are plenty abundant. And in general, you can kind of just brute force your way past anything else. But it will make the ice gym a little harder later on if you don't manage to snack one. Attack animations are better than usual, I'd say, but they're still pretty bare bones. Tail Whip and Psycho Cut are a couple notable examples I recently noticed where, uh, with Tail Whip, they just kind of jump up in the air and flip their tail around in a circle real quick, and I mean, it's, it's, it's cooler than what they normally did in the older games where they would just kind of turn around and the sprite would just kind of wiggle a little bit, so at least they put in some effort for the animations here, but it's still not the most intuitive. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little blacking still, it's, you know, but it is what it is. Attack animations have never been something that is super important to me in the first place, so I'm not that worried about it, but I know a lot of people get up in arms about the attack animations not being very good, so that's something that is a selling point to you. You're not going to get a ton out of this game, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, the Pokedex, it's something another people are always worried about when it comes to new Pokemon games, is Incredibly difficult to complete, unless you know, like it was in Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. There are a ton of Pokemon that only uh, appear at certain times of day and have incredibly low spawn rates. Like you you know, you can use the honey to summon certain Pokemon on certain trees and stuff like that. But there are certain ones that just will not appear until like you have to put in like hours upon hours upon hours of effort, or use certain exploits if you want to cheat a little bit. But like. It's just it's a it's kind of a pain and that's not that's that's not even including the trade exclusives from the other versions and things like that. but you know in general, it's doable. you can do it. People have speed ran uh, <laughs> getting getting the Pokedex completed, but it's just in my opinion it's it's not what I normally play the games for anyway. So it's not that big of a deal to me but if completing the Pokedex is something you want, you will probably feel rewarded and challenged by this game. But not all of it is necessarily fun. It's very grindy and very time consuming. Sinnoh has always been one of the more challenging regions, like I've said before. Platinum, I think, is the hardest Pokemon game I've played, like just in general. And I haven't even played the original Diamond and Pearl. I only ever played Platinum, so I have a feeling those ones are even harder considering there's less variety with your Pokemon that you can get. So the remakes don't do a ton to really change that. It's. It's a little easier because of the few quality of life features and some of the things you can do to train up your Pokemon and the new moves and typings and stuff like that, but it's still not all that much, you know, different. You can mostly blast your way through if you have some of the more powerful moves early on, but I've still found myself having a hard time with certain battles. On top of this, there's a few pretty major bugs here and there. This is kind of a minor thing, honestly, but. There's some points I've heard where trainers just disappear entirely, or areas where you can softlock yourself in certain gyms or battles. Like, I've heard of people walking around, and one of the trainers they're supposed to fight that you have to fight for the story. It just doesn't appear until they reload their save, and reloading your save, as you know, can cost you a lot of progress. Granted, this game does have an auto-save feature, which I forgot to mention earlier. There are certain points where you can close the game and open it again, and... You will just be able to continue right where you left off, right outside of the last room you went into, which is kind of nice. It does make it kind of hard if you're shiny hunting or if you do something you regret and you want to undo it by reloading your save. I'm not sure if auto saving can be turned off. It probably can, but I haven't checked. But yeah, uh, like there's a point in Snowpoint Gym, which is where Candice uh, lives, the gym, the gym leader. She's the ice type gym leader, and her puzzle generally involves you sliding around on specific paths and, you know, plowing through snowballs to find her and to walk up to her. But if you just slide up to where the stairs are where she stands and you just walk diagonally, you can skip the puzzle entirely. It's not really an intended feature. You kind of have to glitch it a little bit, but if you just walk diagonally toward the stairs, you can literally just clip through the stairs and battle her without even worrying about the puzzles or the other trainers. I have a feeling this will get patched out soon, but it will make speedrunning a lot easier if that's something you're interested in. Uh, the Battle Frontier is another big thing. It's almost missing entirely. It's really not even relevant in this game. It's. A significant lack of post game content for those who care about it. Like there's just not a ton like the Battle Frontier was kind of the thing that you do after you finish the original games. You would go to the Battle Frontier and you can battle a bunch of the other trainers again, or other stronger ones, and it really gives you it's that's where the bulk of the challenge game comes from in this game. And that is part of the reason why I say this one is easier than the original, is because that post game content is really not all that there anymore and granted this is coming from what people have told me I haven't gotten to this point in the game myself so it might be more expansive than I'm giving it credit for but as I can tell right now there's really not a ton to do after you finish the game which has been a problem with Pokemon ever since X in my opinion they they give you really brief little bonus quests at the end to unlock legendaries or certain cool things at the end but other than that there's really just not much to do as a whole though Capping things off here, I think Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are a solid effort at remaking a beloved game in the franchise without really butchering what was appealing about the original. I don't think anything that they do that's the same as the original game is inherently worse than the original, but I do think certain things that they lack that they've neglected to add it in to improve the original. So at the very least, I can't necessarily say that the original games are better because they're almost exactly the same. But I also can't say that these ones are the definitive experience. It really just comes down to your own personal preference. Uh, there's some just some lack of polish in certain areas, some pretty glaring content issues. The bulk of the development support, I think, is going into the Legends RCS game, which is actually being made in-house at Game Freak. And I think that uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are largely going to end up neglected in terms of content updates in the near future, because... Legends Arceus is kind of gearing up to be their next big franchise, I believe. I honestly think that's where the Pokemon franchise is headed in a direction that it's just straying away from the original formula entirely, which might be a good thing. Maybe that's what it needs. It's probably going to alienate some specific fans, but I am open to seeing how that turns out. I really hope that game is what I want it to be. That being so, $60 for this game is a little steep. I would have paid 40 maybe 30 for it personally. Uh, I did pay full price on launch day when I bought it. And I'm not necessarily saying I regret the purchase because I have greatly enjoyed the game. But there really is not enough polish or new content added to really justify the $60 price tag. I think $40 would have been a much more, you know, would have been a much fairer entry price. Considering... There's a new game that's much more expansive and, you know, probably better in a lot of ways coming out in just a couple months here. Like That is the one where the $60 price tag should have been justified. I. It's hard for me to see this game having the same value as Legends will have when that releases, but we'll just have to see. I have no idea where this franchise is headed right now, but I am excited for the new things to come and I really hope that they do find their identity again, because in my opinion, Pokemon has kind of lost its way. These games are not necessarily a step backwards, it's mostly just filler. If you're a big fan of the Sinnoh region or the original uh, Diamond and Pearl and Platinum, you will find things to enjoy. I don't think, I think it's worth checking out if those are some of your favorite games. So. That being said, make your informed decision yourself. Uh, don't take everything I'm saying as gospel. I would love for you to try the game yourself and let me know how it feels, how you feel about it. You can reach out to me on Twitter at the Great. That's Z-A-K-A-R-TheGreat. Great. That is all the time I have for this week. I would love to talk to you more about Pokemon. You can reach out to me. You can also follow me on Twitch at ClockworkAvenger. That's a Clockwork with an E and then Avenger, like the Avengers, all one word. I stream on there weekly. So you can find me there if you like. And with that, I will see you guys in the next one. Thank you.